Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash to pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And it's officially Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day, the 18th of August. Oh, why is that? It's the day that Sally Hardesty uh, fell victim to a tragedy. And oh, okay. Her brother and friends were murdered. Okay. Back in the 70s. Uh, and we are celebrating this tragedy uh, every year. <laughs> yeah. Poor Sally. Feeling's gone. You can't go on. Yeah. Poor it's Sally. She she deserved better. Uh, I think they all deserve better. I think that's a bit well, Not Franklin. But oh, um, <laughs> yes. Um, we love the first film. It is a masterpiece, and we did discuss it previously on an original versus remake episode last year. I believe it was episode 251. So if you want to hear us discuss the original and the remake, head back to that. Uh, From now on, every Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day, we will be releasing an episode where we discuss further entries in the franchise. Yes. Starting today Mm -hmm. with Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Uh, Next year will be the beginning. No, it won't. Nope, the next generation. <laughs> it deserves Who knows? Its own, it deserves its own episode. Yeah. Um, the year after that will be the beginning and Leatherface, the two prequels. After that, it'll be Texas Chainsaw 3D on its own episode. And then the Netflix one the year after that. And, well, it depends if they release any more. Right, okay. Are you, are you ready for this journey? That's, I mean... Many years in the future. Well, everyone knows the schedule now. So, what's your thoughts on the franchise? My thoughts on the franchise as a whole... um, Rough. It can be. It can be. I was shocked when I was looking at my ranking. um, And I think I actually gave more higher ratings than I thought. Did you? Yeah. (laughs) Good for you. I only found... Two straight up bad, irredeemable films that you can't have fun with. In in my opinion, the the first one is the best. Five star masterpiece, genre defining. Yeah, you know, it, it it is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then I find the sequels and the remakes are weird. Yeah. And they don't really fit with the original. No. So you, I suppose you can't accuse them of just repeating the same thing. No. But, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's not to say that there aren't some good ones. And obviously we're going to be talking about a good one, in my opinion, over the course of the you know next hour or whatever. Yeah. You know, but some are fucking some rough. Are rough. Some are rough. Yeah. Some are really rough. It's I'd put it somewhere above Hellraiser. Yeah. As a franchise. Yeah. But certainly below Friday the Thirteenth and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'd I'd say even Halloween's a better franchise. Got better, yes. more good films. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Yeah. But yeah, today we are starting it off with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986. Now, of course, this was drastically 
different. Directed by Toby Hoover, same director mm-hmm. as the original. Uh, also the director of Eating Alive, Salem's Lot, Poltergeist, Life Force, Crocodile, The Mangler, Body Bags, Invaders from Mars, and more. Uh, he and the co-writer of the original, Kim Henkel, originally had an idea for a sequel that would feature an entire town of cannibals. And also be a satire of the film Motel Hal, which itself was a satire of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The title of that sequel was to be Beyond the Valley of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Okay, nice. But the studio forced considerable changes to be made to the screenplay, even hiring a new screenwriter, uh, and the results of those changes are what went on to become Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, um, Kim Henkel went on to make Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4. It, yeah, that he did. He did. Yeah. So... so, thank God. Um <laughs> Lightning doesn't strike twice for some people. If he took some of his writing for his version of 2 and put it into 4, then maybe we did have a lucky escape Maybe we did. Maybe we did. Um, But yeah, Texas Chainsaw, and again, you know, we're going to talk about it, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is clearly Toby Hooper's reaction to the dark humour of the first film being completely ignored or, you know, forgotten about. Well, absolutely. I mean, he did say... So many fans of the original disliked this film because Mm. of how gory and wacky it is with its humour. Tonally so different. Yeah. Toby Hooper has argued that black humour was also present in the original film, but viewers just didn't acknowledge it because of its shocking content. Yeah, Toby Hooper, because it wasn't funny. (laughs) It's disturbing. It's not. It's not funny. But there is a dark humor, and I think time and rewatches does help. I mean, the first time I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I thought it was the scariest movie I'd ever watched. Honestly, and yeah. to this day, to this it day. still is. But that visceral reaction to it, I didn't realize how darkly comic the whole grandpa scene was. Yeah, we. Time, time obviously brings campness. It does, as does rewatches, mm, yeah. and you you notice the parts that are actually kind of funny. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that's one of the scariest scenes in the film. Yes, but it's like when you look at the reality of what they're doing. Yeah, um, and the location and the acting and everything. You know, it's terrifying. Well, he sucks a finger and starts doing a dance. Yes, yeah. decrepit old yeah. man. Starts doing this silly dance. You know, it's so over the top. And the family in the original film are so stupid. Yeah. That there is a black comedy to it. And that wasn't intentional on Toby Hooper's part. But, (laughs) I mean, you've also made one of the scariest films ever made there, Toby Hooper. So, of course, people aren't going to... (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with the guy. You want it to be a fucking PG as well. It's a busy like, fucking screaming. <laughs> you want it to be a PG and a black comedy. It's like, okay, come on. Yeah. What, what are you doing? But I feel like this Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is absolutely a reaction to that. Oh, absolutely. Those kind of scenes are turned up all the way to 11. Yeah. And I I, I, I am mad at it. I'm no, not mad. No, I, I really... It. This is one of my favourite sequels mm. um, when it comes to horror. Uh, I really love this film, and it is such a product of its time. It is so 80s, um, but in the best way possible. Mm. 
You know, it, it, it's it got everything you could want in it from an 80s slasher film. Gore, 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 more gore, rock soundtrack, so much comedy, Caroline Williams, and more gore. You yeah. know, it's <laughs> amazing. Toby Hooper was originally just going to produce it, um, but he eventually took over directorial duties as the film's low budget meant that they were unable to hire an affordable director. Okay. Said budget was $4.5 million. Oh, okay, yeah. They and did well with that. it made $8 million worldwide. It was also written by Al M. Kit Carson, who did Deadly Nightmare, Paris, Texas, The American Dreamer, The Number, Breathless, the 1983 film, Chinese Boxes, Bullfighter, Perfume and Tempo, and was also a producer on Bottle Rocket and The Crow, Wicked Prayer. Yeah, so this was in some ways his reaction to how sort of successful Paris, Texas was. Yeah. It won Palme d'Or, Cannes, and yeah, very sort of critically acclaimed film. And he he sort of said himself, you know, he didn't want to have to live up to that. Yeah. So he wrote Texas Chainsaw Massacre Uh too. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so the version we've seen isn't the final version, and I don't know if the final version will ever be released, uh, but several scenes were deleted by Toby Hooper due to pacing issues, um, which he mentions on the Shocking Truth documentary, which everyone should go and watch. Mm-hmm. Canon Films also requested for it to be cut so they could put on more screenings per day. Yes. One lengthy Which scene. seemed very Canon Films. It, it very Canon Films, yeah. <laughs> um, this is definitely up there as, as a film that... Visually, it represents canon films, mostly because a massive chunk of it is spent in a cave, and I'm pretty certain most canon films are in a cave. Are in a cave. I don't know what is. I can't remember right now, but I swear there's so many canon films in caves. What else is canon films in caves? I know. Um. Oh, what was it? We uh, watched a trailer for one the other day, and there was literally a cave in it. Superman. Was it Superman? Four. Superman 4, I swear Superman 4 had a cave. It probably did. It also had Milton Keynes, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but yeah, it did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We, we might have to look into that one. Canon films. Don't take my word on it, but I'm pretty certain if you start watching some canon films... <laughs> yeah, Invaders from Mars. We watched the trailer for it and there is a cave. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> don't know. Is there a cave in Death Wish 2? Potentially. Is there... Is there a cave in uh, uh, Franco Zeffirelli's Othello? Potentially. Maybe. Probably. But in regards to the deleted scenes from <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2... Is there, is there a cave in Breaking 2, Electric Boogaloo? I can, I can guarantee there's a cave <laughs> in Captain America. <laughs> Captain America, yeah. Anyway, one lengthy scene that's kept from the film involves the Sawyer clan headed out on a night out to collect prime meat for their chili by slaughtering movie patrons... And a group of rowdy rioting fans. The deleted slaughtering scene featured several elaborate Tom Savini effects. Uh, another deleted scene also includes the American film critic Joe Bob Briggs. Oh, him. Yeah. yeah. He's made a little bit of a comeback, hasn't he, recently? He has. Uh, an alternative plotline involving Lefty as Stretcher's father was also scrapped. Yeah, thankfully. Uh, however, these scenes are on the uh, special features on the Blu-ray and DVD releases, uh, but there hasn't been a cut release of all of them put back in the film. Okay. Uh, when it originally submitted to the MPAA, it was given an X. 
certificate. Yes, it so, is very over the top. Um, Canon were like, fuck it, we're releasing it as unrated. Just why Canon never made any money. Yeah. The BBFC notified Canon that at least 20 minutes and possibly 25 would have to be trimmed. By 21st of May 1987, after Chainsaw 2 had been resubmitted several times, the BBFC still felt it was worth cutting further, at which point Canon just gave up on their planned UK release, and the film languished in the vaults until 2001, when it was released without cuts to celebrate BBFC director James Furman retiring. <laughs> the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre had a strange history with the BBFC yeah. as well, didn't it? So there's no surprises there because there's a lot gorier than the first film. Yeah. Um, Hoyt's Distribution, which had distributed 90% of Canon's titles in Australia, submitted this film classification in 1986. The film was deemed highly offensive by the classification board and refused a rating, effectively banning the film, and Hoyt's considered cutting the film but the scenes and elements that off that offended the board were so many that it was decided to just not release it altogether. And the band stayed in, in effect there until 20 years later. Wow. And finally, in West Germany, uh, a release was not possible because the film was banned before the film could be put in cinemas. And in 2012, Turbine Median acquired the rights to the film and started work on getting the band revoked. It took them four years until the local court of uh, Berlin finally lifted the banishment so a lot of places didn't see this until like over the last 10 to 20 years yeah <laughs> yeah it's crazy to think that really because obviously we, we're at the point now where pretty much everything gets passed yeah um and everything's available even if it doesn't really get passed um you know and we we saw something like um oh what was that really Talk to me, which was very sort of shocking. But what what was that film? Um, oh, from last year, very over the top. Um, if you're on about two years ago, two the sadness and uh, the sadness. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. The sadness that was so disgusting it makes this film look like a kids' film. It really <laughs> does, and we we I kind of assume. People were sat there in 1986 in Britain watching this film, but clearly they weren't. Yeah. And they had to wait, and it's like, oh, okay. I suppose time is weird in that sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the reason I mentioned Talk to Me is because I would say, you know, there are scenes in that that are just as graphic as some of the scenes in this, mm. particularly, you know, the, the first big possession scene. And that's a 15 in the yeah. UK, mm. you know? A lot of films, a lot of older films as well that were rated 18 back in the day are now being re-released as 15. So it's crazy to think how far we've come since then. And I don't know whether that's just because of getting rid of conservative people within the BBFC or whether it's a sign of the times or perhaps a bit of both. It's absolutely a bit of both. I think the internet has completely changed that oh, yeah. shit. You can just find completely. anything now. Completely. You know, at the end of the day companies will fight to get it released at the cinema yeah because people are going to find it anyway yeah they really are illegally yes but they're going to find it anyway yeah. so companies will absolutely fight to get it released uh, and to the biggest audience possible so people have that accessibility and you've got stuff like limitless now as well where 
we can go see as many films. I don't know if they have the same in America, but certainly here in the UK, we have the Odeon Limitless, mm. where we pay a certain fee every, you know, month, and we can go to the cinema all we like. Yep. So, I forget what point I was making. <laughs> Are you just doing that, an advertisement for Odeon Limitless? Think, are, you, are you Nicole Kidman? I think streaming also <laughs> at Big Influence. Where was I? <laughs> you were talking about how, how time has changed the way things Oh, with censorship, yeah, censorship, of course. There was some point in there, but I think I went... I think I Heartbreak went a bit feels good in a place like this. Yeah, I think I turned into Nicole Kidman by the end. But you all understand <laughs> what I mean. Oh, God. With this in the last episode, people think I've, uh, I'm having a bit of a breakdown. <laughs> Well, let's change sections. Let's yeah, talk about who's you. in the cast. Let's talk about who's in the cast in the section we like to call, Hey, I know you. People know what you're on about anyway, it's fine. <laughs> they I'm, know what I, 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 I know what you're on about. I know the internet and streaming. You can literally see like people dying on the internet. You can yeah. see real death on the internet. But no, know? but it's... I mean, I don't know what I meant by... <laughs> like, companies are... More accessible. They want their films to be more yeah. accessible and on, on the big screen so yeah. they can get their money. Particularly yeah. since it's all relaunched since COVID as well. And there's definitely a bigger push to get people to go to the cinema. But yeah, and I also think, it, you know, Poltergeist being... That push to PG for Poltergeist and yeah. the creation of the PG-13 yeah. so, for the blockbuster purposes. So what you're saying is people try and get as low a rating as they can to get more people to go. Of and course. they're allowed to get away with the lower ratings. Yes. Because they push and... Big money. Yeah. But I don't know why I brought <laughs> Limitless. <laughs> Just giving your best, Nicole. That's all you're doing. <laughs> Dennis Hopper uh, is in this as uh, Lefty. Lieutenant Bold uh, Lefty Enright. And he said this is the worst film he's ever been in. Aww. But he later said the same thing about the Super Mario Brothers movie. Well, yeah. What is the worst film he's ever been in? I don't know, but he has also been in Blue Velvet. Yes. Easy Rider, Speed, Waterworld, True Romance, Land of the Dead, Night Tide, and of course, Super Mario Brothers, the 90s movie, and more. I mean, I guess, technically Super Mario Brothers is the worst film he's been in. That we've seen. That we've According seen. to Letterboxd, the worst film that he has starred in is The Crow, Wicked Prayer. Right. Produced by the writer of this film. Yes. Great. Um... Dennis Hopper, fantastic actor, um, gives one of the best performances of all time in Blue Velvet. Yes. His performance in this film, I, I know he was going through some issues at the time, um, but his performance in this film is, it's bizarre. <laughs> it, I don't, I'm not sure what he's going for. No. It's confusing, I think is, the, is my... Yeah. Um, opinion. He's every, he's given a hundred and fifty percent in every scene. Um, he's so over the top, but it's it's not good. <laughs> I just I, I yeah. If if I kind of knew what he was going for and understood it more, I could say if it was good or not. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. I mean, it, it's not like it sticks out and ruins every, every scene he's in. To be fair, in a film like this that is so over the top, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, but because I think it's because we know Dennis Hopper, because it's because it's Dennis Hopper, we, we've seen him in other films and, you know, we know how good of a performance he can give. I think that's why it's a little more jarring. Mm. Yeah. Um, the same can't be said for Caroline Williams, who gives 
I mean, I think it's easy, fair to say, a career best performance as Vanita Stretch Brock. Caroline Williams, of course, recently the star of Renfeld, briefly. 10 Minutes to Midnight, Days of Thunder, Hatchet Free, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, Blind. <laughs> Blind, yes. <laughs> How the Grinch Stole Christmas, and more. Um, Leprechaun 3. Lots to say about Caroline Williams. She wanted to make a strong impression at her audition. Uh, when she was called in, she went to the end of the hallway and ran screaming into the room where she pulled Toby Hooper and Alan Kit Carson out of their seats and used the chairs to barricade the door before she began her scene. Um, the character has gone on to become a fan favourite. She, uh, she herself has considered the character to have reappeared in two further films, and only one of them being the Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. So first up, she does uh, appear in an uncredited role of a TV reporter in Leatherface. She does. Um, the director of that film told her, look, I don't know how long these chainsaw films will carry on, but I want to keep your character alive. I don't want to get rid of you. You're not mentioned anywhere in this screenplay, but I want to make sure that for the ages, if anybody w- wants to revisit Stretch, it has to be you. You will be seen in part three. The fans will know it's you. She's there for two seconds. Calm down. And, of course... In Hatchet Free, Williams plays the news reporter Amanda Palmer, and she says that BJ McDonald told me she's Stretch. That's what we're doing here. I played the character of Amanda precisely as she would be. Stretch, grown up, she changed her name, she married a law enforcement guy, played by Zach Galligan, and she split from him because she's a woman who is obsessed with pursuing these legends, these myths, which in her mind are not myths. And she appeared in Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens, as a character called Stretch, but Williams doesn't include this in her Stretch cinematic universe. Right, okay. <laughs> I love Caroline Williams. Her Instagram is top quality content. She's an absolute queen, and her performance in this film, the film's not a 10 out of 10 film, but her performance is. She fucking gives it uh, her all. She is an amazing final girl. I'm not surprised she's milking the character. She's a great character, and she's just so much fun to watch in this. I like how Caroline Williams takes it seriously, yeah. but not in a stuffy or kind of wanky kind of way. No, no. She takes it seriously because she takes the horror genre seriously. Yeah. And she wants to, you know, wear that Scream Queen badge of honour with mm. pride. And, you know, she knows that this film is basically a comedy but she also realises that it's a horror film and she wants to play into both of those and that her acting is integral to the yeah, horror. it is. Um, and yeah, I, I think she's perfectly charming in, in interviews that we've seen with her. Um, she is a queen and yeah, I really like Caroline Williams and she gives a good performance in this film. Yeah, and the character's a great blend of what you'd get in... Um, female protagonists in horror in the way that she has that vulnerability there but she's also a strong female character as well she knows how to kick some ass yeah you know great character and we love caroline williams but speaking of career best performances bill mosley uh is robert sawyer aka chop top star of house of a thousand corpses the devil's rejects free from how the night of the living dead remake Repo, The Genetic Opera, Army of Darkness, and more. 
Um, he has said this is his favorite role of his own, and you know what? I I get it. I really do. Yeah, he's he's definitely become a a genre a genre yeah. icon in terms of horror films. He got this role because of his uh, impression of the hitchhiker from the original film. Yeah, he? he created a short film uh, called the Te- the Texas Chainsaw Manicure where he played a small role as the hitchhiker for the first film and showed it to a screenwriter who showed it to Toby Hooper. And Toby Hooper loved it so much that he cast him for this. Yeah, yeah. And this is is essentially what he's doing is a very over-the-top version of the hitchhiker. The character's supposed to be the hitchhiker's, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Law, he's supposed to be the hitchhiker's twin brother. Oh, I see. So that makes a (laughs) lot of sense. There we are. Uh, but yeah, no, Bill Mosley is great and great in this film, and he's so good at playing the the kooky, over the top characters. Yeah, definitely. And finally, Bill Johnson uh, plays Leatherface. He was in DOA, The Once and Future Smash, The Caretakers, Kill or Be Killed, Lucid, Butcher Boys, John, Naked Horror the movie, and more. It was originally going to be Gun Hansen again. Um, but he claimed to have been offered scale plus 10%, with the 10% going to his agent. When he replied that he had no agent, they offered him scale without the additional 10%. And he thought the offer was too low. Um, but unit publicist Scott Holton offered a different story, claiming that Hansen um, vacillated uh, about the part and the offer was rescinded. Okay. Holton didn't believe the average viewer was even aware of who the original actors were, claiming <laughs> who are Neil Hansen or Burns. I mean, that's really rude on Marilyn Burns. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, that's very rude. <laughs> but Gunnar Hansen... Gunnar Hansen is fantastic as Leatherface, but ultimately, <laughs> it brings up your favourite debate. <laughs> that when you're behind a mask... How much does it really matter who plays the part? <laughs> I'm lucky I've never had any backlash because of this opinion. No, the Once a Future Smash is an entire film based around it. So yeah. I think you're safe. So, yeah, I do question how integral these... Apart from something... So, obviously, something like Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Someone like Freddy Krueger... Robert England is integral to that part yeah. because it yes he's wearing a mask, but there's a lot of characterization mm-hmm. there. I would, I would say that Leatherface is like Jason in that there isn't much characterization yeah. there apart from look big and scary. Michael Myers, Michael Myers, of course, as well. And that's not to say that there isn't a lot of work involved yeah. in these roles. Yeah. That's not to say that. There's a lot of physical comedy here from the guy yes, who plays Leatherface. Absolutely. And they absolutely deserve to get paid what they feel absolutely. that they deserve yeah. to get paid. But I, I have seen some, you know, these actors go into great detail about characterization, and I think, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> obviously, very physical work. But yeah. I, I don't feel there's a massive amount of acting. No. And that's not... That is in absolutely no way to sort of downgrade 
the work that goes in. No. I could never do it. No, absolutely. You know, there's a lot of physical work yeah. that goes into it. Yeah. I mean, the way Gunnar Hansen moves in the original, mm. the way he, you know, he, I, you know, I stand by what I said. He does a fantastic job. He is terrifying. Whereas Bill Johnson, he brings the physical comedy to this one rather than trying to be scary. And it works. You know, he's really funny as Leatherface. But yeah, and, and you know, as I said, just pay him what he wants. Yeah. He, you know, he is in one of the greatest horror films of all time. I think it is harsh to say that no one knew who Gunnar Hansen was. Yes. Yeah. I think that is very harsh to say. Like, the actual true fans of the And especially Marilyn film. Burns as well. Yeah. I mean, come on. I think that is harsh to say. Because they, they are the iconic images from that film. Yeah. You know, the first one killed, maybe not, but the, the lasting images are of Marilyn Burns and Gunnar Hansen as, yeah. as Leatherface. Yeah. So Somebody who does return from the original film, Jim Sidow. Yes. Um, and he, I'm surprised he was only actually ever in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah. It looks like a day hasn't passed between the two. It doesn't. It doesn't. He didn't look particularly young in the first one, oh, no, with all due respect. No. But yes. <laughs> um, but yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm sure also, uh, talking of paying everything, I'm sure I, I didn't need to say this, but it goes without saying we fully support the current actors and writers' strike going on in America as well. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Just get that out there. Is it just America? Should be happening here, I think. I mean, yeah. I haven't actually seen anything, but. Yeah, but as far as I know, it's just in America at the moment. Yes. Here. Just pay his people. Just come on, seriously. Pay his people what they want. Mm. They deserve it. Don't fucking... Just... AI can go fuck itself. That's all I'm saying. So anyway, let's get to our first feature presentation. 13 years ago, audiences across America were horrified by the brutality of a faceless killer. Now, after more than a decade of silence, he has come out of hiding. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, directed by Toby Hooper. Starts Friday, August 22nd at theaters everywhere. We start with a title crawl. On the afternoon of August 18th, 1973, five young people in a Volkswagen van ran out of gas on a farm road in South Texas. No, I didn't know that was the van. This is actually part of the scroll. Four of them were never seen again. The next morning, the one survivor, Sally Hardesty Enright, because she's been married she's married now apparently yeah this is okay oh Enright's lefty Enright is lefty surname so why was so I don't <laughs> understand Hardesty Enright this I don't get it <laughs> so... Hardesty Enright so why can it just be lefty Hardesty yeah why why does Dennis Hopper have to have a different <laughs> Did he surname? did he marry into that family? I don't like... get it. No, because then why is Marilyn why is um Sally Sally Hardesty Enright? Oh yeah, that wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a big glaring issue. I don't get it. <laughs> it wasn't okay, her her surname in the first film was Sally Hardesty. Yeah. That, that was it. That was it. it was and that's how she continued to be named as in the future films. Yeah, so I don't, I don't, I really don't understand this Enright thing. No. I don't get it. <laughs> but. Uh, she's picked up on a roadside, blood caked and screaming murder. 
Sally said uh, she had broken out of a window in hell. The girl babbled a mad tale, a cannibal family in an isolate farmhouse, chainsawed fingers and bones. Her brother, her friends hacked up for barbecue, chairs made of human skeletons, then she sank into Catatonia. Catatonia? I'm waiting for the reference. <laughs> <laughs> Texas Lawman mounted... Texas? A... He's just naming female-fronted 90s there bands. Texas Lawman mounted a month-long manhunt, but could not locate the macabre farmhouse. They could find no killers and no victims, no facts, no crime. Officially on the records, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre never happened. But during the last 13 years, over and over again, reports of bizarre, grisly chainsaw mass murders have persisted all across the state of Texas. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre has not stopped. It haunts Texas. It seems to have no end. Ooh. Um, really frustrating that this franchise is requel after requel after requel after requel. When that title crawl sets up 13 sequels right there. <laughs> yes. Like, you just make it in between the two films. Yeah, that's true. Like, why every... Because this is a, one of those franchises where the continuity is all over the place. Because everything that's not in the remake timeline is a direct sequel to the first film and ignores what came before it. I, I mean, everything. That is ridiculous. Yeah. 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 I... I, I... I don't have the energy or the inclination to go through it all and try no. and figure it all out. I'm pretty certain many people have tried to online, so Google it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's confusing to me. So the opening credits... Um, so that narration, yeah. not John Larroquette. No. Like the original. It's Vern Stearman. Now, Vern Stearman <laughs> was the narrator for The Town That Dreaded Sundown... The Legend of Boggy Creek and Faces of Death. Yeah. So, yeah, made his career narrating. He did. Which is cool. I mean, he's got a good voice for it. Mm -hmm. Works. Definitely works. The opening credits come complete with the Psycho score. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. The score for this yeah. film is a direct rip of a Psycho, and I love it. It sounds so good. Oh, is this the same year as Reanimator? Maybe, maybe. Yeah, all, all borrowing. There it. was something definitely in the water around that yeah. time uh, when it came to ripping off Psycho for soundtracks. Yeah. <laughs> was, was it something like was it in the public domain for like <laughs> two years? And then I mean, like, oh. it, it happens in Carrie as well at some points. Yeah, that's true. So, I, I don't know. Brian De Palma ripping I off Hitchcock. I'm sure it's happened in more wow. Brian De Palma films. Like every <laughs> Brian De Palma film. So, Shame on You by Tim Book Free starts playing as two high school seniors, Buzz and Rick, race along a desolate stretch of Texas Highway en route to the Texas OU football game at the Dallas Cotton Bowl. And they're shooting random signs, making silly noises, and harassing a pickup truck along the way. So, immediately, this is everything that the first film was not like this is you this is like toby hooper slapping you over the face and saying look you're in 1986 now yes so it was a very conscious decision that the first film the characters were hippie-ish and in the 80s the equivalent is the yuppies yeah so you have now their full names are cornhole leapers and Rick the Prick. Yes. As they like to call themselves. Um, 
Yeah, they're giving misogynist, yuppie energy. Mm-hmm. Um, Buzz has a lemon yellow cable knit jumper, which I, I would wear. Wow. It might not be my colour, but I, I would wear that. And uh, Rick has hologram sunglasses. He does. <laughs> Is this the only person in cinema history who's ever worn those glasses? <laughs> I, and, I'd say there's a good chance And you is. never actually see his eyes. No. Because he has these hologram sunglasses. <laughs> Bitch, I had yeah. a pair back in... The, not in 1986. I'm not that old. Um, but, you know, I had a pair back in the 90s. There's hologram sunglasses. Well, taking aside their fashion choices, because how similar they are to yours. Yeah. Um, everything else about those characters, you're like, okay, immediately, we want these people to fucking die. Of course. Horrible deaths. This is your slasher first victims, please. Yeah, it feels like he Toby Hoover's grabbed them straight out of a Friday the 13th film. Yeah, that um, is so true. They're that so is Friday the 13th. So, so Friday the 13th. Um, heavily intoxicated, they use their car phone, a car phone, car phone, to call and harass on air radio DJ Vanita Stretch Brock. Yeah. So. <laughs> They ask yeah. for a song, don't they? Yeah, they tell her all the girls at school are stuck-up bitches, um, and they wanted to play You're on the Road to Nowhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. So she says, oh, you mean we're on the road to nowhere, released that year, but Talking Heads uh, were probably a bit too expensive for the rights. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, imagine how good the scene would have been if it was it been amazing. Road to Nowhere. Uh, but yeah, they just talk some more shit, and unable to convince them to hang up, she has to keep the line open. And uh, she's like, uh, she's trying to talk to her partner at the radio station. She's like, how oh, gee? He's like, damn it, I'm trying, darling. Yeah. And she's like, don't call me darling, damn it. It's like, yes, bitch. Immediately we know this girl ain't going to take no shit. This girl is not going to take any <laughs> shit. Even when they then go on to request another song. <laughs> yes. Uh, Buzz says, this is for Rick the Prick. He wants to hear Bright Lights, Big Titties. To which Rick responds, wrong, I don't want to hear it, I want to see it. Bright lights, big titties, woo. Yeah. Really cool guys, <laughs> like, really, just, yeah, really, really cool. This is, <laughs> I was like, okay, like, what, what do they expect? Bright lights, big titties. <laughs> But yes, uh, that night, Stretch has managed to get them off the line and starts playing Goo Goo Muck by The Cramps, followed by No One Lives Forever by Oingo Bongo. So Goo Goo Muck is the song that was featured in Wednesday, but yeah. everybody decided to just change it to a Lady Gaga song when it became TikTok famous. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Which Lady Gaga song was I it? I can't remember. I think I've seen that video, actually. So she, da- it's the one where she dances, yeah, uh, the 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 dance, and she dances to Goo Goo Muck, mm-hmm. and it works really, really fucking well, yeah, and it's super duper cool. But because no one in the newer generation, no offense, <laughs> cares about the Cramps or Goo Goo Muck or cares about old songs, they changed it to a Lady Gaga song. Wow. Well, they call back again and they refuse to hang up again. As the two pass the same pickup truck from earlier they were harassing, Leatherface emerges from the back of the truck with the corpse of Nubbins, the hitchhiker from the first film, 
and rips up the roof using his chainsaw. I love this image. I don't know if it's as iconic to everyone else as it is to me, but this first image of him just like holding up the corpse and pretending the corpse is fucking chainsaw in the car. Amazing. Yeah, it's so good. Super, really, really cool. So over the top, ridiculous. Um, kind of camp as well. It is. It is really, and just it's the perfect introduction to the film to say this ain't the original. Yeah. This this is what you're getting now, and I love it. I I think it's really really cool scene. Um, when they're sort of they're going across the bridge. Yeah. Aren't they? Uh-huh. And he's with the corpse and everything. So good. Yeah. Rick tries shooting Leatherface with his revolver, uh, but Leatherface kills Buzz by chainsawing the top of his head off. The car crashes, killing Rick, and the call ends after Stretch hears the entire thing. Practical effects, Tom Savini, absolutely Stunning. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we need to tell anyone on this podcast how great Tom Savini is. At haven't, they haven't aged a single day. No. They, they look incredible. He was a bit concerned, though. He was a bit disappointed, because obviously the top of his head's chopped off. Yeah. Um, and Tom Savini had, like, brains mm-hmm. that didn't really show up on screen yeah. well enough. Um, So he was a little disappointed with that one, but I still think it looks really Cool. Yeah. The following morning, we are introduced to Lefty, former Texas Ranger and uncle of Sally and Franklin Hardesty. And right. <laughs> and right. Who were victims of Leatherface and his family years earlier. He arrives at the scene of the crime to help solve Buzz and Rick's murders. Lefty has spent the last 13 years looking into his nephew's disappearance, investigating reports of mysterious chainsaw killings across Texas. And he's visited by Stretch. It brings him a copy of the audio take uh, tape that recorded the attack. And uh, she says this is her chance to stop playing headbanging music and do something <laughs> real. So rude. <laughs> You've been playing some real bangers so far. <laughs> he sends her away, leaving Stretch. Yeah, she's he doesn't want her involved because he says he's got a perfect willingness to die. And that gives him a moral... On the bunch of mad dogs. They live on fear. They thrive on it. And he's got no fear left. So, yeah. Dennis Hopper. Not going to be in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. We can smell it a mile off. He's dying at the end. (laughs) Spoiler alert. He dies. Um, He leaves Stretch and her co-worker, Algie Peters, to reluctantly go get radio coverage of a Texas and Oklahoma chili cook-off. Um, we get a little bit of sweet uh, interaction between Algie and Stretch, where she calls him a hard ass. He says, hard ass, me. I might be a semi-hard ass, but I've got a soft heart. <laughs> he has. He does, he does. I'm sorry, I thought Uma Furman was in the, in the room <laughs> then. Um, in... <laughs> they should get Uma Furman for the next film. <laughs> with that Texas accent. The winner in what is an hilarious turn of events of the cook-off is fucking Drayton Sawyer, played again by Jim Seidel, the current patriarch of the cannibalistic Sawyer family, who declares a secret to having an eye for prime meat uh, because it it <laughs> because it runs in the family. Yes. The host of the event finds a tooth in her chili. 
but Drayton explains <laughs> it away as a hard-shelled peppercorn. So we're definitely upping the black comedy here. Yeah. Um, Just and, him being in the cooking contest is hilarious. Yes, and clearly selling, uh, and clearly serving, um, yeah. human meat uh-huh. to the uh, to the judges. Yeah, it's black comedy, definitely. Um, and the comedy continues when Lefty goes shopping for a chainsaw at his local hardware store. Doesn't get one, but he gets two. At first, he unnerves, then amuses the shop's owner with his brutal testing of the saws on the log, to which the owner says, I want my aching banana. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's an older gentleman with glasses. And uh, it kind of, I don't want to say a stereotype, but he's kind of what you would expect to see yeah. one who would sell chainsaws in the middle of nowhere. And uh, he's... So Dennis Hopper is going crazy with these chainsaws <laughs> and chopping off this. A first taste the of log Dennis and Hopper going full Dennis Hopper going on this Going full film. Dennis Hopper on this log. And the, the camera zooms in on the guy's face. Oh, my aching banana. <laughs> but it looks like he, like, genuinely, it seems like his banana is aching. <laughs> He's getting turned on by Dennis Hopper going ham on this hog, on this, not hog, on this log. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. banana. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, if anyone ever gets excited about what our uh, award section is going to be in the best dialogue, I think you already know. Lefty then drives to Stretcher's radio station and asks her to play the tape on her nightly radio show so that the public, which had previously mocked his case, will have to listen to him. He says, I need your help, Missy. <laughs> Thank you, Uma. <laughs> Driving home from his chilly cook-off victory with I his kind family. Of, did you get the kind of impression that Stretch had a thing for Lefty? Because she kind of looks at him longingly in this scene. Yeah, but I mean, she was told that this is her dad. Yeah. <laughs> so this this is the thing. There was a nineteen year age difference between Dennis Hopper and Caroline Williams. So the dad thing, yes, perfectly. You know, nineteen people have children at nineteen. You know, it's in the realms of possibility. But I did kind of get from this scene that she fancied him a little bit. <laughs> but I suppose if Caroline Williams was. Told that that was meant to be her dad. Yeah. Maybe that's how it could be misconstrued. I think so. <laughs> right. Okay. Very bad daddy issues from uh, Caroline Williams. Though. Maybe. <laughs> Driving home from a chilly cook-off victory of his family, Drayton is called by Chop Top about the tape being broadcast. So he sends him and Leatherface to the radio station. While she's about to leave for the night, Stretch is confronted by Chop Top in a Sony Bono wig. Yeah, he's, uh, it's definitely a Sony Bono wig. Uh, he has a coat hanger that he keeps lighting the end off before scratching his head. And he tells her how she's his favourite... Oh, no, his fave. Shortened it down years before uh, our generation started doing it. You say that. I Tangent. I found out recently that spilling the tea dates back to, like, the 70s. Wow. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Or, <laughs> even, or even before, but it was in sitcoms yeah. in, in the 70s. Yeah. Well, he tells her how she's his fave and how much he loves her show and requests Inagella Davida by I Am Butterfly. 
He also suggests that the tape that she was playing of the two yuppies being killed was from the Rambo 3 soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, he asks her for a copy and he keeps harassing her. And we get what is probably in my top five favourite jump scares of all time. Oh my god. Like, like I completely agree. I gets forgot. Me every single time. I forgot that this happened. Yeah. When like, we watched it recently. Obviously. I always know it's going to happen. Mm. I, I always remember it, but it always, I can never get the timing right. It always gets me. Like, you look back at some jump scares, like the carry hand scare at the end, the jaws head in a bow, you know, and... You kind of know they're coming now. So as effective as they were when you first watched them, you kind of know when they're happening. But with this, I can never tell. And it always makes me jump. Uh, Leatherface just runs out of a dark room with his chainsaw um, going. For a... Yeah, it's so effective. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's the record vault and Chop Top's asking about it. And he the, the light switches on and... It's um, <clears throat> Leatherface, and he he misses uh, Stretch and manages to get Chop Top's head, yes. but he's protected by the now exposed metal plate in his <laughs> skull, and uh, he says, "Non flashback, non flashback. Look what you did to my Sonny Bono wig." <laughs> and th- this it's this scene, the and and throughout the film, but this scene in particular, where you realize Bill Mosley is committed yeah to the role yeah it's not one of those roles you can half ass it you have to be committed uh or it's going to come across stupid or or wanky yeah. um and he does and he does so well it's it's really really a great scene yeah and the whole um non flashback thing didn't we come to the conclusion that the original was a big commentary on america around that time and the war. I mm. think throughout the 70s, particularly sort of early 70s, I think every horror film was some kind of reaction to the Vietnam War. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it could be suggested that, you know, Chop Top and the Hitchhiker, even probably not Leatherface, but they could have fought during yeah. the Vietnam War. Absolutely. Um, Stretch manages to lock herself in a room with a big metal door. She slams it shut, Leatherface style. Uh, Leatherface can't get through. Stretch keeps telling herself that they live on fear. It's like a dad told her. <laughs> and uh, LG is apparently killed with a hammer by Chop Top when he returns to the station. And Chop Top says, hey, lick my plate, you dog dick. Yeah, and he says incoming mail a lot yeah. whilst he's hitting it with the hammer. I've always found this scene to be particularly gruesome. Yeah. It's so over the top mm-hmm. and it's for comedic effect, but also really gruesome. It is, yeah. Whereas in the original film, again, you know, th- this film is definitely a response to Toby Hooper's original. Um, it was one blow to the head and character whose name I can't remember the first kill is pretty bloodless Kurt Kurt excuse me yeah of course Kurt it's one blow to the head and then you have the the dragging in don't you whereas in this film there's so much blood yeah so much and the the head blows just keep going and keep going and keep going Mm -hmm. and I it's obviously for 
comedic effect, yeah. but also a response to the original film. Yeah. Loveface bursts through a wall, corner stretch, and is about to kill her, but she charms him into sparing her. At first, she asks, how good are you? And he starts putting his chainsaw between her legs, and she's like, really? Are you really, really good? You're really good. You're really good. You're the best. Now, this scene, I believe, would have gotten the BBFC yeah. up in arms. Uh-huh. They would have had a fucking heart attack. Yeah. I can just imagine, because that chainsaw, you know, they're both fully clothed, but mm-hmm. um, Caroline Williams is wearing uh, denim hot pants, Daisy yeah. Duke style, and that chainsaw goes so close and touches her crotch, mm. essentially, and the camera zooms in so close to yeah. it. The, you know, very on-the-nose imagery yeah. <laughs> here. And make no doubt about it, the chainsaw is a phallic symbol in uh, all the yeah. films, but particularly in this one. Um, yeah, that gets so close mm-hmm. to uh, her crotch. The, the BBFs, James Furman would have had sleepless nights. <laughs> I can imagine Mary Whitehouse would have collapsed if she ever watched, because I don't <laughs> think she ever watched any of these fucking films, but had an issue with them. She would have fucking collapsed yeah. in a coma uh-huh. <laughs> that chainsaw. <laughs> um, what do you make of this scene? I, I think it's great to have a character using her sexuality to, I mean, essentially fight off these guys because she's using it to get away. Yeah, she is. Yeah. It, it's, it's an interesting perspective. Yeah. Leatherface having a crush girl. on her is purely for comedy purposes yeah yeah but from her perspective and her survival yeah i think it's really interesting because i I wouldn't consider this a slasher film at all necessarily Mm. but it it's around the time of slasher films so we're always going to look at it in terms of i would class this as a slasher film would would you you not a typical slasher, I suppose. This is not as high a body count as you'd expect around this time. It's not, I suppose, it's not one of those, whereas the original, you know, people get separated and they yeah. get to this house and they're killed. Whereas here, it's, I mean, how many deaths are there of innocent mm, people? About five. Of, well, of not the good really. Guys. Three. Yeah. The two yuppies. Who would slash a film fodder, yeah. of course. And then you have Lefty. And LG. And LG, of yeah. course. Um, but I wouldn't say it's not really slasher mm. I don't know, you know. Yeah. It's it, true. It's different. Yeah, I mean, it's true what you're saying, though. You know, at a time where slasher films, you know, the sexual one dies first. And yeah. And we were talking about it on the Cabin Woods episode on Tuesday. Yeah. Um, you know, or you've got the virgin good girl. So for her using her sexuality to her advantage here and spoiler alert, having her survive the film. Yeah. You know, it's something a little different and I think it really works. Yeah. And I think Stretch is a, a kind of world weary character. Mm. Somebody who has lived and we, we don't get her backstory no. necessarily, but from Caroline Williams' performance and, you know, she is a little older than what you'd usually have. Yeah. In, in a horror final girl. Um, so I think it's refreshing. Yeah. And I think definitely. it's interesting that she would use her sexuality to survive. Yeah. 
Um, I'm glad, obviously glad the film doesn't go all the way yeah, with it. Same. But her kind of, her sexuality, but also her femininity, her, you know, using that sort of relationship. Yeah. Almost, it's almost a boyfriend-girlfriend sort uh -huh. of way that she talks. And it, it comes back later as well. I, th I think... I think it is interesting, definitely. Yeah. Um, my question is, why is there a random massive bathtub full of ice <laughs> and cans of drink? <laughs> to make the scene a little more sexy. I think I think it's so that we can have the exploding cans. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, it's... For a certain audience, I'm sure it's meant to sexualise Caroline Williams, but, I mean, I was just slayed. Because her being covered... With this fucking ice and these cans and everything that's just going everywhere, whilst trying to seduce Leatherface, it's high camp and it I'm is. Here for it. But I do, I do feel like the foam spray from the yes. cans is meant to represent something. <laughs> Leatherface uh, smashes the place up, does his chainsaw dance. Does. <laughs> very half-assed version of his chainsaw tattoo. Looks like a fucking bobblehead. <laughs> he does, but it's very crotch frosty. Uh, yeah, oh it? yeah, no, I was gonna say he starts frosting his chainsaw as well. And the chainsaw is very much <laughs> at sort of that level to represent an erection. Yeah. Very very um Freudian. Yeah. <laughs> uh he returns to Chop Top and leads him to believe that he's killed Stretch. As they take Algy to their home, they're followed by Stretch, who ends up trapped inside the Sawyer home, an abandoned carnival ground decorated with human bones, multicolored lights, and carnival remnants. Uh, Lifty does appear first, though. Uh, he's been following their car all along. Yeah. And he arrives equipped with chainsaws and tries to save her uh, before she falls into the home. Yeah, so Stretch runs from a car and it turns out to be Lefty, which I think is a bit cheap, but whatever. Um, Stretch is fuming that Lefty didn't turn up when he was meant to. And he does say, I used you, girl. Yeah. I used you as yeah. bait. Sorry. Give uh -huh. my regards to LG. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically used her as bait to get to their, their home. Yeah. And uh, that um, set design... Oh my god! So good, so good, yeah, so good. On a fairly small budget, yeah, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. So the many little details, cave hideout, yeah. you know. There's so many little details added in there. Um, I mean, you know, obviously the first film is based on Ed Gein and the fact that he'd use people's skin and bones as furniture. This is a whole fucking cave made of, filled with stuff made of bones and skin. <laughs> this corpses. is. And it's going to sound like a negative, but it's not really. We accuse a lot of horror remakes of having to go extra. Yeah. To go extra on everything. Everything has to be more, more, more. This is kind of almost like a remake of the original. Well, yeah, pretty much. But more, more, more. Yeah. Um, in this case, it works. Yeah. Definitely. Um... But I think it's interesting mm. to, to look at it in that sense. It works in as the same... almost a remake yeah. of the original film. Well, it works in the same way that the Hills of Eyes remake works. Yeah. You know, up, ups the gore and yeah, it just goes way more over the top. And this is through the lens of 80s horror. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is a completely different ball game. Yeah. Really. 
Um, so Lefty makes his way into the Sawyer home and he starts yelling, it's the devil's playground. I'm bringing it down, down, down. Bring it all down. <laughs> Bring it all back now. And... <laughs> God. Um, and yeah, and Dennis Hopper's just fucking... He's just going for it at this point. <laughs> Any subtlety to this guy's performance has gone now. <laughs> was this filmed before Blue Velvet? I think it was before Blue Velvet. Maybe this was his preparation for Blue well, Velvet. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the film where he goes over the top, but in a way that actually works. Yeah, it kind of works here, though. This is a very over-the-top film. Yeah. I th- I think I think with Blue Velvet, he is the pinnacle yeah. of over-the-top. Uh-huh. Whereas I find in this film, everything else is so yeah. big and brash and over-the-top. Mm-hmm. That he, yeah, he fits, but yeah, he could yeah. do some nuance. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Stretch is found by Leatherface, who puts Algie's skinned face and hat on her before having a dance with her and tying her arms and leaving. Um, I thought it was so funny to see LG skinned with an electric carving knife. Yeah. Just like, it, that uh-huh. is a miniature version of a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I remember um, when I was younger, I turned on Sky Movies and this scene was on, specifically this scene. So this would have been actually when it was new out um, in the UK, yeah. <laughs> realistically. And uh, I remember the scene being on and I was like, absolutely fucking not. And I was terrified and I just I vowed never to watch the film. Because <laughs> the original text change of Mask How old were you? So... Piece was, of that puzzle. It was when I was first getting into horror films as well. Um, but yeah, I was like, no, that's, that's far too scary for me. Um, but uh, <laughs> and you've never seen Mary Poppins? No, no. But the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was like one of the first things I remember scaring me. And I said on the episode, you know, it was just DVD menu. It wasn't mm. actually the film. You know, my parents were getting ready to watch it, and it was the menu that scared the life out of me. Um, but yeah. I digress. Uh, later, a still alive Algie free stretch before dying. Yeah, a very sweet moment between the yeah. two of them. Um, you know, they were like brother and sister. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Algie wanted it to go further than that. Yeah. Yeah. She gives him his face back. <laughs> she does. That's a sign of respect. <laughs> um, Lefty proceeds to trash the home. Uh, before finding Franklin's remains with his torch that has batteries that still fucking still work going after over all a those decade. Years. Whatever batteries are in that torch, seriously, you need to buy some. The thing is, for the record, after 13 years, the only thing to suggest to Lefty that this is Franklin <laughs> is the wheelchair. Yeah. There's no ever... It's completely <laughs> decomposed. It's had 13 years of decomposition... Yes, there's. We know because we watched the original film yeah. that Franklin was wearing, uh, was holding a torch when he died. Yeah, but I mean, Lefty didn't know that. No. So uh, this may not be Franklin. Of course, it is Franklin. <laughs> but to Lefty, Lefty was Franklin. Okay. <laughs> Dennis Hopper <laughs> promising uh, to avenge Franklin to this fucking corpse in a wheelchair with a torch. 
That's high camp. It is camp. It is camp. Uh, Drayton complains about taxes and bosses the other two around. Yeah. Again, a more over-the-top version of the original film. Uh-huh. He says, uh, the small businessman always, always, always gets it in the ass. Yeah. Which is more information than I cared to learn about the book. <laughs> Uh, Leatherface finds Stretch and chases her before she tells him this isn't going to work out between the two of them. Uh, Drayton finds the two of them and thinks she's the one messing up their house. But Chop Top tells him that's the radio DJ that Leatherface was supposed to kill and starts taunting Leatherface for fancying her. So Drayton gives a bit of advice to him. Um, Please, if if my mum's listening... Please stop. Switch off right now. I don't think my mum would ever listen. She has been warned. Uh, but this is not for the faint of heart. He says, is, is that what this is, Baba? The old cock and cunt swindle? <laughs> S-C-E-X? Sex? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had to find out about it, didn't you? <laughs> he says... He tries to get Leatherface to kill her, but he just refuses to. So he's like, you got one choice, boy. Sex or the saw. Sex is, well, no one knows, but the saw is family. (laughs) Can I just say, Jim Seidel, considering... I don't know if he was an actor before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't think he was. He didn't do anything after. I don't know how he got involved in the film. I'm sure it was on the documentary. Um, But... He's really fucking good. Yes. For someone who maybe you wouldn't even consider to be an actor. Yeah. He does really fucking well. Yeah. In these films. Yeah. He really makes his character iconic. He's he's you know his performance is what makes it memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because I mean, no offense to Jim Seidel, but it's kind of he makes the character believable. <laughs> well, he does. Yeah. <laughs> he's that good. With all due respect. I do actually believe he could be this crazy. <laughs> um, Chop Top knocks Stretch out and ties her to a chair made of bones at the dinner table. And the screaming begins. Yes. Yes. Um, Caroline yeah. Williams, not quite a Marilyn Burns, but she's up there. Oh, she is. On the I, screamometer. I swear, when I... Um, the very first time I watched the first film, I watched the first four all in a row. I had a fucking headache by the end of it. There's so much screaming. <laughs> Third one. Yeah, well, there's a little bit. Not as much as the others. You had a a fucking break during the third film, I tell (laughs) you. We'll get onto that in a bit. Grandpa is brought out to the dinner table. How the fuck is that old man still alive? He's 13 years older than his fucking dusty ass was in the original. (laughs) Hey, do you not remember The Next Generation? It's part of the Illuminati. He's brought to the dinner table and Drayton tells Stretch all about his backstory. Tom Savini once stated that the makeup effects for Grandpa is his most proud accomplishment. Which very good. He compares to the makeup for the aged Justin Hoffman in Little Big Man. Okay. Never yeah. seen it, but no, yeah, I'm sure it's very good. Um, but yeah, he looks fantastic. He actually looks better than he did. He did. Yeah, he's <laughs> Benjamin Button. Button. <laughs> And he's more successful than in the first is, film as yes. well, to be fair. <laughs> Don't know what he's been eating between yeah. the last 13 people. years. 
people. There you go. They they proceed to torture Stretch. Um, yeah, he seems to get more power the more hits he gets in. He yeah. becomes more energetic. In in the original film, he pretty much isn't doing anything. Yeah. Where he is actually getting some hits uh-huh. in <laughs> this one. Wait till we get to the next one. Um, Lefty arrives and saves Stretch, and he's like, "Boys, boys, boys, looking for a good time." <laughs> Stretch flees the ground with chopped up on a tail. Lefty wounds Drayton in the gooch with his chainsaw. Does he? Yeah, yeah. That's where the hit. That's where he first hits. Oh, didn't realize it was the it, gooch. It, it happens very fast. This scene is just. Just bam, 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 bam. Just constant. Like mm. the pacing is out of control in this scene. Um, it just all goes so over the top. He and Leatherface get into a fucking chainsaw fight. Yeah, in a duel. Iconic. That is pretty iconic. Dennis Hopper fighting Leatherface with a fucking chainsaw. Mm-hmm. That is camp. Leatherface is fatally wounded in the fight. Uh, I mean, in fairness, you know, Lefty does have two chainsaws. He does. Um, the dying Drayton, accepting that he and his family have lost, takes a grenade from Nubbin's corpse, uh, who's been there the whole time at a dinner table. Grandpa throws his hammer, missing Lefty and hitting Leatherface instead. Leatherface chainsaws into Drayton's head, and he drops the grenade, which blows up the ground, killing himself, Lefty, Leatherface, and Grandpa. Good old lefty sacrifice. Well, he actually didn't sacrifice himself. No, oh, no. It was, it was actually just, <laughs> you know, got killed. Um, Chopped up chases Stretch to the top of a rock tower. Stretch grabs a chainsaw from the corpse of the family's grandmother in a shrine. To which Chopped up says that she killed his grandmother. She, he's doing that thing as well. In the original, the hitchhiker did, where he's slashing yeah. with the knife. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously this time, it's going up a ladder yeah. on a huge rock tower. Yeah. <laughs> Again, so much more over the top than the original uh-huh. one. Yeah, she um, she kills him with the chainsaw and he falls uh, off the tower. In... Um, Contrast to the majority of horror films, I don't know if you noticed this, but all the victims who died are men. Oh, yes. Yeah. Real interesting. That is very yeah. interesting, actually. Good. Stretch shouts in... As a uh, man. Good. In a, a very camp series of events, to end the film, Stretch shouts in triumph and swings the chainsaw in the air, doing her own version of the chainsaw dance from the first film. Did she watch the original film? Where did she get that dance from? Strange Things Happen by Clark Kent starts playing over the end credits. Clark Kent? That's the name of the band. Stuart Copeland? Yeah, he's in the band. Oh, the band's called Clark Kent. Oh, okay. Well, it's Stuart Stuart Copeland from The Police. Yeah. The drummer from The Police. It kind of sounds like a Paul Simon song. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, very different to the minimal soundtrack of the original. Yeah. The, when the original ends, after the chainsaw buzzing stops... Yeah. You're just left with a bit of rumbling. Yeah. Essentially. And you're just left to think about what just happened. Yeah. This ends like every you 80s slasher the film. The drummer <laughs> from the police. The cheapest song. Yeah. From someone famous. That is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. That is. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And it's one of those good films that's just as, you know, as fun to discuss as it is to watch. 
plenty, as you can tell, we've had plenty to say about it because it's just it's it's interesting. I find it's always I've always found it an interesting film, uh, especially when you double bill it with the original and you just look at how different the two are. And this very much sets the bar going forward. None of the other ones try and be like the original. They all try and be like they're, they're all trying to be Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, although some of them drop the comedy. They always try and go for the gore of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and how over the top it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when you think back to the original, you think it's a graphic film. You think it's gory and, you know, really nasty. But realistically, you hardly see any blood. The most blood you see is Marilyn Burns and it's all over her at the end of the film. Yeah. So, but this, this is what everyone thinks the first film is when they look back. So... Yeah, this set the bar for the rest of the franchise, but I don't think any of the other sequels are as good as this. Um, no, I completely agree. Yeah, I think I think this is the best sequel. I really appreciate how it did go for something completely different to the first film. I feel like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of those films where everything sort of came into place. Yeah. Um perfectly yeah at the time and it's sort of um couldn't be recreated mm-hmm. so toby hooper didn't want to recreate no. it he created something completely different yeah pretty much polar opposite in many yeah. senses and it works it works yeah. very well uh, for ratings, I give it eight aching bananas out of ten. You bitch! I gave it eight <laughs> aching bananas out of ten. Of course you did. Of course we did. Uh, masterpiece, trash piece, trash or basic. It is uh, a, a category we need to include in the fourth thing. Then I keep going back to. It's a fun camp old time. It's a fun camp old time. And it's available on Blu-ray, DVD, and video on demand. If you enjoy this, I recommend checking out The Devil's Rejects because it's a very different sequel that features a cop hunting down a cannibal family for revenge after they killed a member of his family in a previous film. Which, the previous film, was very much a Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff. Well, I went for the previous film, House of a Thousand (laughs) Corpses. If you're going to watch The Devil's Rejects, watch the original. Uh, So... That brings us to Leatherface, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Part 3, from 1990. Uh, this is a film where the trailer was done before they even had a director and before the production started. And I can tell you right now, the trailer is better than the film itself. The teaser trailer is so much better than the film it itself. Is one of the greatest <laughs> trailers ever I mean, you have Leatherface by a lake. His chainsaw comes flying out to him. He turns around and you get the title of the film. It's just, it's short, it's sweet, but it's just so funny. Yeah, it's meant to be Excalibur. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it it, it works so well and it's such a shame. (laughs) But that's not to say this is a terrible film. It's not, it's not, but uh, yeah. It didn't live up to the teaser trailer. I have a lot of nostalgia with this one because this was amongst the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre films that I watched. It There was a box set released by New Line and it was the remake, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre the beginning, the prequel to the remake, and this. Okay. 
Um, so I watched that box set first before I'd seen the original. So I've got a bit of nostalgia to it. Um, it's not great, but it's it's not awful. Uh, New Line picked up the rights to the series, hoping that if successful, Leatherface would replace their soon-to-be-completed A Nightmare on Elm Street series. The box office disappointment in this film caused New Line to let their option on the material expire. So this is the only New Line. The only New Line, Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. There we go. Although, what was the remake? Was that New Line? I may have been. Because, I mean, it would make sense if it was. Mm. Uh, if my voice were a bit weird, I'm trying to turn around to the collection to see if it was New Line. I think it, I feel like it was. I'm, yeah. No, I'm convinced it was. I think they went back and got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that was a better film. That did better. Uh, but yeah. This is just as much a history uh, as any of the other actually seen this franchise. One thing I will say, going through these films so far, the trivia's been a lot of fun to go through. Um, directed by Jeff Burr, who made Tales of the Fantastic, Puppet Master Blitzkrieg Massacre, Tornado Warning, Gun of the Black Sun, Resurrection, Mill uh, Mascaras vs. the Aztec Mummy. Nice. Frankenstein and the Werewolf Reborn, and more. So, he was fired at the beginning of production. Yes. Nobody else accepted the job, and he was rehired. He claims that he was probably the 50th director offered the job. Names like John McNaughton, Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi, Tom Savini, Scott Spiegel, Rennie Harlan, and many others had turned it down. He also claimed that New Line... Um, banned him from talking to Toby Hooper, but never found out why. Okay. Bob, Bob Shea is fucking weird. Like, Bob Shea is a very <laughs> strange man. Very strange. Wait until we go through a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise later this year. I'm sure you're going to be hearing Bob Shea a lot. Yes. Um, but Peter Jackson, Sam Raimi, Tom Savini, can you imagine if they directed it? There was a time where Peter Jackson kind of was up for a lot of these Horror franchise sequels. It's a yeah. shame we never got one. Yeah. Yeah, I think he would have done a good job of this. It, didn't he do something for Nightmare on Elm Street 5? I think I'm it was. I'm not sure. He may have. Yeah. I think he, he wanted to do... Um, yeah, either 5 or 6, Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. He was in talks. Because obviously Lord of the Rings was New Line Cinema. Yeah. So he seemed to have some sort of relationship yeah. with New Line Cinema. Toby Hooper was originally going to be involved in uh, this film, but he had submitted a treatment to New Line execs uh, and bowed out of the project due to scheduling conflicts with his film Spontaneous Combustion. Oh, that classic. Uh, Oh, my favourite, Spontaneous Combustion. (laughs) Written by David J. Schell, uh, who wrote The Crow, The Hills Run Red, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, Critters 3 and 4, an episode of Freddy's Nightmares, two episodes of The Outer Limits, and more. Uh, The original script was much more brutal, with explicit gore sequences. The producers objected to many of the scenes, one of which had a nude man being split down the middle whilst hung upside down, and demanded extensive changes to the script to reduce gore and violence. Further cuts had to be made to avoid an X rating after the film was finished. This was the final movie to be given an X certificate by the MPAA, before the rating was replaced with NC-17. Oh. Um, yeah. The most interesting thing about the film. 
Well, I mean, the threat to being fired and then rehired is kind of interesting. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Um, if, you're, but, if you're into gossip, Gary. I am. Um, submitted 11 times to the MPAA. On each submission, more and more footage was cut out, uh, some of which was lost forever. And it was initially refused any classification by the BBFC, thereby killing off any prospects of a cinematic release in the UK. Uh, and it was reclassified to 18 for home video and DVD release. Um, so was this released in the UK before Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2? Potentially. Potentially. I mean... I know really the box set that. would have been like 2006 or 2007. Mm. And I remember it being a pretty big deal that this film was released. Uh, so I feel like that may have been its first release. Yeah. Um... Which, growing up and seeing all these films as they were coming out, I had no idea. This was, like, their premiere in the UK. I suppose my history with that would be, like, Last House on the Left, Mm, when it was finally released on DVD after all those years. I mean, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre took them ages to release that. Yeah. Wait, when did you watch this for the first time? Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3? Yeah. Um, Not... Very long before I met you. Oh, okay. I decided to go through all of them one random weekend. And, yeah, not not all, all of them. The first four. And the remake. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe it was Texas Chainsaw Massacre Day. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, but, yeah, MPAA are fucking awful. They're just as bad as the BBFC were in the, in the 80s. I mean, they... Butchered some films. This and Friday the 13th Part 7 are two of the best examples of it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can only imagine what this film would have been if it didn't go through all those cuts. I feel like it would have been a lot better. Because I would it, hope by all so. accounts, this isn't the final film. That's no. Happened, you know? And it's a shame that a lot of the footage is lost because we're probably never going to see that version now. No. Mm-hmm. That is a shame. And, and it is... It's a real shame when the MPAA and the um, BBFC do that. But at what point did they do all these effects and all these gore effects and all that stuff? Did they kind of think, well, the MPAA's not going to like this? We know the MPAA is mm. not going to like this. Well, I mean, by all accounts, I think they thought it was a more sanitised version of what was originally written. Yeah. So I... You know, you don't get the naked man hung upside down being cut in half, so... I sp- but you can't do... You can't go to the MPA and say, yeah, I know this is really <laughs> violent, but imagine what it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> it's made on a budget of $2 million, and it only made $5.7 million worldwide. Mm. Which, I mean, when you're banning it in certain places, takes this a few places so out of the uh, out Absolutely. Of Should we talk about who's in it? Yes, in a section we like to call... Hey, I know you. Kate Hodge plays Michelle. She was in Rapid Fire, She-Wolf of London, Fringe, Murder, She Wrote, of course, Headless Horseman, Beach Rats, Mount Joy, Harold, Crowfoot, and more. Does a good job. She's no she's no Caroline Williams, but, you know, we don't pick women against each other on this podcast. We certainly <sighs> don't. But character-wise, should I say, Michelle isn't quite strange. She's not quite anything. I I genuinely, and I will say it, I genuinely thought that Michelle was a bad character. Mm. 
I, I she's, there's nothing to her. Disappointed. Yeah, there's nothing to any of the characters in this film. They kind of just appear. Flat. Yeah, the characters in this film just appear. They either die or live, and that's it. Yeah, it's one of those films where stuff just happens. Yeah. It's like, okay, you know, and it's why it didn't deserve its own episode. Yeah. Because it's it's just kind of there's no sort of greater picture to things. There's no real character insight or development um so it's just would you say this is the most throwaway texas chainsaw massacre film absolutely because all the others even the really bad ones yeah at least there's things to pick apart Mm -hmm. whereas this just kind of like you said just happens yeah it's very blah it's not bad enough to make fun of completely but it's not good enough to Praise. Yeah, you know? there's no real connection to any of the other films. No. The most interesting thing about this film, and yes, there's an interesting history to it, but in terms of real interest to a general audience, is that Viggo Mortensen was in it. That he is? This is an early, and sorry, spoiler alert yeah. for what's about to come, but to me, that's the, and Ken Foray. Well, that's about it. Yeah, I mean, not just Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen playing gay. Gay? He said uh, he played Tex uh, as though he was secretly gay. Yeah, Viggo Mortensen plays Edward Tex Sawyer. Secretly gay. As if he was secretly gay. And he does wear a feminine apron. He has his nails painted. Um, (laughs) He was, of course, in Lord of the Rings trilogy. Captain Fantastic, The Road, Green Book, A History of Violence... Crimes of the Future, Carlito's Way, Eastern Promises, and more. Yes, Oscar-nominated Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. Um, are we insulted that he played it secretly gay? Um, it was the same year as Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. So I don't think we were supposed to be insulted. <laughs> but from a 2023 perspective, yes. It's a it is insulting. a little like... <laughs> Okay, why have you made this choice? Yeah, it's not in the script. Like, why... this horrible character, why have you decided, oh, secretly gay, that'll really yeah. help me create this awful character. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. okay. What's that got to do with anything? William Butler plays Ryan. Uh, he is in Madhouse, My Babysitter the Superhero. Furnace, Friday the 13th, The New Blood. Uh, so it won't be the first time that we're discussing him this year. Oh. Uh, well, it won't be the last time, should I say. Night of the Living Dead remake. And he also worked on the special effects for From Dust Till Dawn, Small Soldiers, Army of Darkness, Creepazoids, Blair Witch 2013, and more. Um. Yeah, he was also in Leather Jacket Love Story. Oh, was he? He certainly was. That fucking film. We still haven't watched it. And no, he... I know, we, we definitely need to watch Leather Jacket Love Story. Um, but yeah, he directed Gingerbread Man... Uh, Ginger Dead Man. Ah, oh, I sincerely apologise. No, ah. I'm correcting myself. Ginger Dead Man 3, ah. Saturday Night Cleaver. <laughs> he did direct the original Baby Oopsie. Lovely. And the sequels Baby Oopsie 2, Murder Dolls. Mm-hmm. And Baby Oopsie 3, Burn Baby Burn. Okay. He directed Demonic Toys 2. Oh. 
and Beyond the Resonator. Wow, okay. Yes, uh, Beyond the Resonator from last year. And that also, if I am correct, starred Amanda Weiss mm-hmm. and Kate Hodge. Wow. Back together after all those years for Beyond the Resonator, which I'm surprised they haven't been sued by the reanimator <laughs> <laughs> filmmakers. Wow. Uh, Ken Foray, the legend that is Ken Foray, plays Benny. He is in the, of course, as you know, Dawn of the Dead original and remake. Halloween 2007, Knight Riders, The Lords of Salem, From Beyond, The Devil's Rejects, The Wanderers, and more. Wow. And what else? Wow. What else? Do, do you know what? I don't think the age gap... Between us has been clear. else? He was the dad in Keenan and Cow. Was he? He was. Okay. He was one of the. I can't remember. I wasn't. I didn't watch it religiously. No, Keenan. His name's Keenan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was Keenan's dad. Oh. In uh, Keenan and Cow. I don't. I've watched the full episode. Because so. we never met Cow's parents, did we? I've never watched the full episode. So oh. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, he was Keenan's dad. I think we should be more disappointed that I haven't remembered that from when you've definitely mentioned it in a previous episode. It, I've definitely <laughs> mentioned it in a previous... I swear, I probably... We covered Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the, Halloween 2007. I definitely, definitely would have said that he was Keenan's dad in Keenan and Cal. Um, Tony Hudson, uh, billed as Tom Hudson, plays Sarah, uh, who was in Just One of the Guys, The Next 24 Hours, Knight Rider, The Love Boat, Charlie's Christmas Wish, Nessie and Me, School Spirit, Uninvited, and more. Yeah, Nessie and Me sounds great. Can't <laughs> wait to watch that one. Not uh, Charlie's Christmas Wish. Charlie's Christmas Wish. I wonder what Charlie's Christmas Wish is. I have no idea. To be a better film. Um, R.A. <laughs> R.A. Mieloff plays Leatherface in this one. Uh, and he's in License to Drive, Hatchet 2, Slasher.com. Eddie Presley, Ride Hard, Live Free, Death House, The Pod, The Taker, Fury, The Tales of Ronan Pierce, and more. So definitely typecast. Do you remember Death House? Do you remember when Death House was announced and we were really excited about it? Because it had all these horror legends in one film. Like The Expendables. Of oh, yeah. And then it just kind of came Everyone away. thought it was awful. Yeah, it was just <laughs> disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> How do we even watch that? I have no idea. Kane Hodder, who, of course, is known for playing Jason Voorhees, was the stunt coordinator for this film and was also uh, the Leatherface stunt double. So, in the trailer, uh, that's Kane Hodder. Oh, nice. Yeah. Director Jeff Burr wanted Gunnar Hansen to return to the role of Leatherface, but neither party could come to an agreement on salary again. So, that's when the um, yeah, absolute bare minimum. Yes, yeah. <laughs> this, this film just yeah. a sl- a sl- this is a slasher film, and he's a slasher villain. That's I mean that's yeah you know yeah. there's a bit of personality to one and two. This one I I can't think of anything there's to say. Much. He's just no yeah. Um, speaking well, the family's bigger, isn't it? The family's bigger. Yeah, the family's bigger in this one. Well, speaking of Kane Hodder, so he's played Jason. He's played Victor Crowley, of course. He's played Leatherface. And he also played Freddy's Hand 
uh, in the Jason Goes to Hell. Oh, yeah. So, really, and something that he said himself, the only one he hasn't played is Freddy. Keep him away. (laughs) He doesn't need to play Freddy. (laughs) No, not Freddy. Michael Myers. But my point still stands. Michael Myers isn't quite the build of Kane Hodder. (laughs) Well, Michael Myers, they can't quite figure out what his build is. No, no, it varies. Um, did you mention Tom Everett? No, no, Tom Everett. I didn't think he did. Tom Everett uh, in this film, arguably actually the worst performance, <laughs> but with the a really interesting filmography. So he was in the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, mm-hmm. Die Hard Two, Beverly Hills Cop, Dances with Wolves, Pearl Harbor, Friday the Thirteenth, the Final Chapter. Oh, I don't know who he was in that. Same sort of character, maybe? Um, He was... Flashlight Man. Okay, there you go. There we go. <laughs> he was in This Is 40, Air Force One, Triple X, uh, wow. The Goodbye Girl, The Exterminator, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was in prison. He was in oh my God, films. what did he do? Stupid. Thank you. <laughs> what is wrong in this film? Yeah, it fucking is. It was, but that joke you just made totally put me off. <laughs> yes. Um, no, I, I missed that. Um, probably because I just want to forget about his character. Um, anyway. I do. I do. Yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. know. I do. Yeah. We'll get into it. Our second, <laughs> our second feature presentation. Some tales are told. Then soon forgotten, but a legend is forever. Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, rated R. The most controversial horror film ever starts Friday, January 12th. On August 18th, 1973, Sally Hardesty... Let's try this again. Oh. Sally Hardesty, her invalid brother Franklin, and their friends fell afoul of a bizarre cannibalistic pattern of serial predators. Miss Hardesty, who's no longer got a double barrel surname, was the sole survivor of that night of terror. She died in a private healthcare facility in 1977. Why? Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> a single member of the murderous family lived to see trial. Prosecution recorded his name as W.E. Sawyer. He died in the gas chamber in 1981. The jurors concluded that Leatherface, presumed to be an unapprehended killer, was in fact an an alternate personality of Sawyer's, activated whenever he donned a crude mask made of human flesh. If there was no Leatherface in reality, then Sally Hardesty may at last rest in peace. If there actually was a Leatherface, he remains at large, and the so-called Texas Chainsaw Massacre is only the beginning. Okay, first of all, that makes no sense. Makes no sense. Why would Sally rest in peace if she was a liar? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> why would the cook go around pretending to be Leatherface? Yeah. Um, he clearly didn't do all of that on his own. No. Uh, and also, this is... Is this the OG requel? Um, I can't think of one before this, but I may be wrong, so yeah, don't quote me on it. But, unless you count Nightmare on Our Street Freaks, it doesn't mention anything about two. But it kind of feels like 
Yeah. Uh, it doesn't feel like, no, it is a direct sequel to the first film. And as I said earlier on in the episode, this is what it is going forward. So this is the first of those. It's Ignore 2. 4 will ignore 2 and 3. You know, Texas Chainsaw 3D ignores 2, 3 and 4. Leatherface is a prequel. The Netflix one in ignores 2, 3, 4, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw 3D, the remakes, and go straight from the first one. So it's like, oh my god, guys, just make a sequel that goes off another sequel. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. We can suspend disbelief. Leatherface would have survived in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Fine. But with this film, it makes no sense because they bring back Stretch for a small cameo. But then it's like, okay, how's Leatherface still alive? Yeah. After what happened to him in part one and in part two, when there's no explanation to it. I mean, yeah, sure, he, maybe they could play it after he survived, but there's no mention of it. It's just... But how did the cook oh survive? Well, he blew yeah. himself up with a fucking grenade, for fuck's sake. The cook was in the gas chamber by the time the events took place. Yeah. Sally Hardesty's dead. They didn't mention that in the second one. So this is a requel. Yeah. But they included Stretch. What are you doing? Yeah. That's just messy. It, it It's confusing. It, it's very, very confusing. Leatherface, we open the film um, with a, a title card that I do love, where Leatherface comes up and then the rest of the title comes from the back, just like falls onto the screen in the same way as like Freddy's dead. It's, it's a very new line thing. Oh, it? yes. Um, then we see Leatherface kill a young woman called Gina and cuts off her face to make it into a mask whilst Gina's sister, Sarah, watches from a nearby window whilst we also get the opening credits and a very 80s rock score. I love the score to this film. It's one of my favourite things about it. It's pure metal, and I'm here for it. It's giving the Sleepaway Camp sequels yes. yeah. kind of metal. Yeah, I love it. The ranch where most of this uh, was filmed was so close to Six Flags Magic Mountain Amusement Park to the point that director Jeff Burst swears you can hear screams from the roller coasters during some takes. Yeah, so this was the first uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre film not to be filmed in Texas. It's filmed in California. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, I wouldn't have known the difference in terms of the, the desert sort of setting. No, no. Really, it's... Yeah. To be fair. Yeah, it's fine. Um, sometime later, a couple who, up until this viewing, I always thought were brother and sister. Yeah. Uh, Travelling through Texas, Michelle and Ryan... Drive past a body pit crime scene where Stretch is having a cigarette and getting ready to do a news report on the crime scene. Again, really cool. Makes no sense. Yeah, it, it's it's a really cool cameo. But, I mean, with all due respect to Caroline Williams, why don't you bring her back? Exactly. Exactly. Why don't you bring her back? Yeah, make her the main character going forward in the series. Yeah. I mean... I just, I just don't get why they would have her there. Um... Payday, you know, it's, mm. it's a big film for yeah. her, a payday for her. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I love Caroline Williams, but what the fuck she was doing? Leprechaun 3 at this time? You know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's frustrating because you suspend belief, but this version, you have to really suspend some yeah. belief. Yeah, because, I mean, before you even get into the film, the title crawl throws everything out of whack and just completely, you know, because back then, I mean, now you've got the internet, so something like Halloween 2018, mm. everyone knew that it was a recall because the information was out there on yeah. the internet. You know, the interviews were done, everyone knew, going into it, 
This ignores everything after the first film. Mm. Great. Yeah. But for something like this in 1990, you know, you'd have to constantly follow the press interviews and read yeah. Fangoria and, you know, be fully clued up on all your horror stuff to know that this was ignoring the second one. Yeah. So imagine going into it after watching the second you'd be so fucking confused. You'd be very confused. I'm immediately... Yeah, but it's like immediately they say that they give the cook a different name and he died in a gas chamber. It's like, yeah. well, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, he got blew up. Anyway, after running over an armadillo, Michelle and Ryan reach the last chance gas station where they meet a hitch. How fucking on the nose, by the way. The last chance, chance gas last station. Chance gas station. And they're not even going for comedy in this one. No. Where they meet a hitchhiker named Tex and the station's owner, Alfredo. Yeah, so Michelle and Ryan's. The relationship isn't the best. It's no. not great. Michelle's looking to go to New York to uh, have some time to herself in the future. And Ryan thinks it's okay to listen to his Walkman whilst Michelle is left to drive in silence. Yeah. It's um, like, it's giving sibling energy. Yeah. Because like... Ryan says, oh, our, our, re- our reception is shit. Mm. And Michelle says, so's our conversation. So, I yeah, they are giving brother and sister yeah. kind of bickering. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably were written as brother and sister. We're like, oh no, should we have a relationship? Yeah. And so, yeah, I put in my notes, leave his ass right now. Leave him in the middle of the road. Yeah. Because he's a dickhead. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Alfredo is uh, cutting up pictures in a nude magazine as they arrive. Yes. And he takes a picture of Michelle when Ryan goes to use the bathroom. And he's like, you like it? It's a good picture. It's, it's, it's a good picture. I'll sort you out real good. Um, I'm going to service you up real good, babe. Yeah. So, of course, he's going for the hitchhiker. Yes. He returns, like, literally repeating his dialogue. Yes. Um, But, <laughs> unlike in the original where... Mm-hmm. It was a fantastic job. Oh my god, this performance is awful. I genuinely think it's really, really, so really bad. bad. Yeah, I don't. The, the, the direction the character yeah. is going for, I have no it's idea. It's just a really bad impression of Chopped Up and Hitchhiker. Yeah. It's terrible. And it's like, if this is new, uh, if this is Leatherface's new family, has he taught Alfredo to act like the Hitchhiker? Yeah. <laughs> Do people take Polaroids like that in the 1990, you know? Uh, But the acting isn't good, girls. I'm sorry. It's not. A fight soon breaks out between Tex and Alfredo when Tex finds Alfredo spying on Michelle as she uses the station restroom. As Michelle and Ryan flee in their car, they witness Alfredo apparently killing Tex with a shotgun. Yes. Um. When Ryan and Michelle become lost, the driver of a large truck throws a dead coyote at their windshield. Now, I must say, as bad as his performance is, the uh, gas station guy, this first act, I think it's solid. I think it really sets up the film really well. I think this whole stuff with the truck and you can't see who's driving, I think it's really intense. Mm. I think it's a really good setup for a much better film. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it's bookended by two great ends. I mean, you've got this and the ending, um, as messy as that is as well. There's a lot of great scenes in that when the rock soundtrack kicks back in and so on. But then everything in the middle, it's like, oh my God, it is a slog. Mm. Uh, as Ryan changes the car's flat tyre, Leatherface appears and ambushes them, but they manage to drive off unscathed. Leatherface steals the top of their boots slash trunk. 
Yeah. <laughs> so he's just there with a boot. Yeah. Just the top of it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know for his collection. I don't know. I, I like I like Leatherface when he randomly appears in films. This is a great thing in the franchise that we need more of. Um, it is. Yeah. I, I like when a very large man is stealthy in horror yeah. films. <laughs> I mean, he's got excuses in the other two. This one, there's no excuse to how he got there without him <laughs> yeah, hearing. Yeah. Afterward, Michelle Ryan and another driver, a survivalist named Benny, crash and flip their cars when a bloody text leaps in, leaps in front of them, and it's hilarious. This is where the film starts to go downhill. The moment we freeze frame on Viggo Mortensen's face, I don't know what he's doing. Going a stupid for. pose. <laughs> it kind of reminded me of um, the demon face from The Exorcist. Like he was going for that, yeah, <laughs> but just kind of looked constipated. Um, Michelle, Ryan, and Benny decide to go and find him. Yeah, and on the way, Benny discovers a hook-handed man named Tinker who offers his assistance in setting down road flares. Like, okay, let's get in all the Texas stereotypes here. <laughs> What's confusing though is that they decide to go find Tex. But that's text. not text. With a T on the end. Text. <laughs> but that isn't necessarily true, Ellen, is it? But is it not? <laughs> no. Because text, not text, Benny gives Michelle a tranquilizer. Oh, yeah, no, she definitely. Or like a sleeping She definitely bill. doesn't try and find text. And Ryan stays with her as mm -hmm. she sleeps. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I, why. Did he give her a tranquilizer? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, this is also where the plot holes really start sinking in. And I mean, there wasn't anywhere to tread on this set because the holes are frequent. I just... Like... Uh, also, I ben, think he gave me a tranquilizer too. Benny, only a great character because it's Ken Frey. Like, oh, absolutely. We, we were rooting for Ken Frey. We weren't rooting for Benny. Yeah, no. I love <laughs> Ken Frey. This is uh, just... Yeah, I only care. An, an interesting character. He just didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just he's just there. And apparently he's a fan favourite. Why? Just because it's Ken Ferre. Because it's Ken Ferre. You know, Ken Ferre is great. Shove him in anything. But what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Ken Ferre could have been a great action hero. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. real great leading man action hero. Yeah. Benny soon realises Tinker's real intentions after he finds a damaged chainsaw in the back of his truck. He flees before encountering and fighting Leatherface, but is saved by Sarah, who had earlier escaped Leatherface. He learns that her entire family was killed and that Leatherface and his family are watching the roads. What a boring existence. Oh my god, I'm not sure what she's going oh. for acting-wise here. It's, it's all over the place. Yeah. Um, also, just to, uh, just to clarify, everything happening... Is in the pitch fucking black. Oh, it is. The it's way terrible. too dark. Yeah. There is. I don't like day for night. Mm -hmm. I don't. But there is a nuance to being able to do nighttime shooting. Yeah. And make things mm -hmm. visible. The original film. The original. Yeah. yeah. Um. I hate it. Hate it when you sat there and you're like, I don't know what's going on. I can't see. Yeah. I can't see. The film expects you to, you know, um, what's that phrase I'm looking for? Um, 
Suspend disbelief. Suspend belief. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Gary. Oh my god, we're we're connected. Yeah. Like we've known each other for years. Um suspend belief in so much. Stick a fucking floodlight somewhere. Yeah. Just stick a little yeah. light somewhere Absolutely. so I can see. I hate it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, I think that's what makes this sequence feel like it goes on for longer than oh, it actually does. Yeah, it's true. Benny hears Michelle and Ryan calling for him and leaves Sarah, uh, to which Leatherface immediately kills her with his chainsaw. Well, he asks her if she wants to join him, mm-hmm. and she says no, for reasons unknown to me. She needs to be added to the body count. She just needs to be added to the body count. Because then, yeah, Leatherface comes along and kills her with yeah. a chainsaw. Rendering a lot of what just happened to be completely pointless. Yeah. Thank you. Leatherface then Leatherface. attacks Michelle and Ryan, capturing Ryan uh, when he gets caught in a bear trap. Escaping, Michelle locates a house and is captured by a little girl and Tex, revealed to be one of the Sawyers. Oh, we didn't see that coming. Ooh. Yeah, so this little girl, does she get a name? No, she's just called Little Girl. Little Girl. Little Girl. <laughs> little Girl. Um, she uses her puppet to bite Michelle, which I thought was a little bit funny. Um, they bring her into the kitchen and nail her hand to a chair. Yeah. Um, this is my issue with the performance. Is it Kate Hodge? Yeah. From Kate Hodge. Even when her hands are being nailed to a chair... She's not screaming. She's not crying. She's not giving me that Marilyn Burns no. performance or that Caroline Williams performance. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, she's not having her hands nailed to the chair <laughs> in real life. This is where acting comes yeah. along. And I don't want to sound like a complete knobhead, but I just find that her performance isn't enough. Like, it's like if I was performing in front of people, I'd be a little yeah. embarrassed uh-huh. to go all the way. And what this needed was for her to go all the way. Yeah. Because, I mean, your nail, this is the most painful thing, I'm assuming, to happen to her. Yeah. Up to this, this character uh-huh. in her life. She should be screaming yeah. the house Absolutely. down. This is awful. What is happening to you is a terrible thing. Yeah. You know, tell your fucking face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, he introduced, Tex introduced her to Mama. Of course, he doesn't get a name, just Mama. Do you agree with me? Of course I agree. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I think that's why, I I think it's one of the many... I'm not misremembering, am I? I think she has a bit of screaming. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Later on. Yeah. But I, I, you know, it's one of those things where I think this adds to why this film is so forgettable. You know, the other ones, even the bad ones, you remember who the final girl is. Yeah. This one, you definitely don't. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he introduced her to Mara and the already deceased and decomposed grandpa, uh, who was originally going to survive in the film, and also speak for the first time in the series' history. Oh, lovely. Turned out to be quite talkative when in the mood and temb- tending to ramble on about the good old days. Um, but then they decided to have him as a corpse. So, Mum, are we referring to her as Mama? Yeah. So she's wheelchair, uh, wheelchair. <laughs> God's sake. 
wheelchair-bound matriarch of the family who speaks with an electronic voice box. And she has some rather prominent varicose veins that the camera loves lingering yeah. on. Um, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's not really. She she talks a bit of shit. Yeah, you know, but we can have a little bit of exploitation. Oh, yeah. she's got a voice box. Oh, she must be fucking crazy. <laughs> Tinker then drags in the badly injured Ryan, whom he and Tex suspend upside down with a pair of meat hooks. Um, Tex and Tinker, couple. Are they? I think so. I mean, yeah. if he's playing Tex gay, then Tinker. I thought they were brothers. Yes, hun. This oh. is a film about oh, okay. Texas stereotypes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> when Leatherface returns home, Tex equips him with a large golden chainsaw with the words "The Saurus Family" engraved on it. Oh, looks cool. Looks very cool. Why? Very, very long. But why? Because it was in the teaser trailer. <laughs> it's like, come on, what are you doing? And the Saurus Family is a quote from the second film. You're ignoring the second film. Where did they get the money from for this? Uh, this is where all the budget went. This is definitely where all the budget went. No, not the filmmakers. The family. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Uh, well, they would have stolen it from the corpses. What, a giant chainsaw? Well, they would have got it specially made. Oh, they would have stolen the money from the corpses. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, I suppose, yeah. Loverface gets upset when Tinker throws his Walkman in the oven and forces him to put his hand in and grab it out for him whilst the oven's on. Mama tells him to go and do his lessons. As in the words, Benny finds Alfredo talking shit and apparently kills him. Yeah, he's making some soup in a, some sort of pond or something with human body parts. I don't care. <laughs> Benny finds the house and watches Loverface playing with his speaking spell toy. It's him doing his lessons, but yeah. he only ever guesses the word food. Yeah. Yeah. All of this stuff in the house. I fucking hate it, by the way. Yeah. This, this, yeah. this is the worst part of the film. This and the chasing in the swamps before this. Worst part of the film. There's no... It's just not interesting. It's like, what are you trying to do? Yeah. If you're not going for comedy, why is Leatherface using a speaking spell machine? Yeah, and just saying food. Yeah. As the family prepare for dinner in the kitchen, the little girl kills Ryan by letting a uh, hammer fall on him. Now, this is a little bit funny. Where she says, no, stop. And Michelle thinks that she's trying to help them. And she says, no, you promised me the next one was mine. Yeah. And there we go. Just a little bluff there. A Leatherface prepares to kill Michelle. Uh, but Benny opens fire on the house with, uh, with an automatic rifle, killing Mama and presumably Tinker after he shoots off his ears and two of his fingers. Yeah, um... Interesting bit of dialogue from Mama before she dies. When she says, Junior loves them private parts. We knows what to do with them parts. Cut my own out. Years ago I did. <laughs> and it... <laughs> what? It just... It's like, why? Are you, are you trying to be edgy? Is this... Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. why, why include this? Yeah. About her talking about... Junior's love for private parts and how she cut her own out. Yeah. Like, what is this meant to say? Mm. What is this meant to do? No, I don't just think. Like, I don't think this film's trying to say a single thing. Yeah, I feel like the first two definitely are trying to say something. Yeah, this is not. 
No. They, they needed a quick throwaway slasher film. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's true. If it was trying to say something, I'm sure all that stuff was left on the cutting room floor. It's just trying to repulse people, I feel. Yeah. Which, which it, it is valid in horror. Which reminds me, they advertise this film as the most controversial film ever made. Duh. I don't think so. And not quite. Um, this, when, the moment that he gets his fingers shot off, that's when this film picks up again. The rock score starts playing. Michelle escapes and flees to the woods, pursued by Leatherface. Benny fights with Tex um, and blows up his truck and kills him by lighting him on fire. Um, and during the scene, uh, Ken Ferre actually broke Vigo Mortensen's ribs. Oh, no. Yeah. And the shot's left in the film as well. Tex says, uh, come on, sweetheart, let's see what you got. Oh, okay. Maybe he's playing him going. And Benny says, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Why don't you leave us alone? Tex says, we're hungry. And Benny <laughs> says, you never heard of pizza? <laughs> Benny... There you go, a little yeah. bit of humour. Benny rushes to Michelle's aid. A little preparation for Keenan and Kel there. <laughs> Benny rushes to Michelle's aid, but Leatherface apparently kills him. Not apparently. Leatherface fucking murders him. <laughs> It's, it's, he gets a chainsaw to the fucking head. He does. So it's pretty cool. They're fighting in this pond or wherever. What's it? What would you describe it? Swamp. Like a swamp. Okay. It looked a little too clean for a swamp, but you know, I let them off. Um. So they're fighting in this swamp, and the chainsaw is running, so it's kind of spraying the water. Yeah. In a fountain, which is pretty cool. It is. Yeah. And Leatherface ends up grabbing Benny and putting his head into the chainsaw yeah. as it's running. Pretty cool, pretty cool scene. Yeah. You know, what I fucking hate, 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 is that throughout the whole thing, Michelle is fucking sat on her ass doing <laughs> fuck all. And she's just shouting, Benny, 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 <laughs> shouting his name repeatedly yeah. while making no effort whatsoever uh-huh. to help. Yeah. Until... Leatherface has killed Benny, yeah. goes after her, and suddenly she's got all this fucking upper body strength, <laughs> grabbing this giant yeah. rock and killing him. Yeah. Where was this energy five fucking minutes ago, bitch? Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, it's like, if you're not going to try and save uh, Benny, then just run. Yeah. You know, get yourself away from there. Yeah. If, if you're, you're going to no do attention. absolutely fuck all yeah. to help this man who has saved your life, because yeah. he could have fucked off a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. If you're going to do fuck all to help this man, at least have the decency to piss off. Uh-huh. Instead of standing there screaming his name. Yeah. What's, what's shouting Benny going to do? Uh-huh. Benny! Benny! What? Suddenly he's going to fucking turn into Superman? Or fucking He-Man? <laughs> yeah, in revenge, she apparently kills Leatherface. As dawn breaks, Michelle reaches the main road before Alfredo's pickup truck, driven by a surviving Benny, stops in front of her. Now, it was decided that Kemperay's character should live after he gained high favourable responses during the test screenings. The new ending was subsequently shot in which somehow Ken pops up in the final scene with a tiny flesh wound on his head, even though he definitely got torn apart. He definitely had his head shoved into a running chainsaw. As Benny helps her into the truck, Alfredo appears and attacks him. Benny avoids Alfredo's attacks and Michelle kills Alfredo uh, with uh, 
a shotgun and uh, he's like, ah, oh, you don't know how to use that thing. And she's like, pretty damn good, you backwards motherfucker. Yeah, he says, uh, now what are the chances a brainless bitch like you knows how to use that thing? <laughs> and she says, pretty goddamn good, you backwards motherfucker. And blasts him, yeah. which is pretty cool. But where is this energy, energy five minutes ago? Before the pair drive away, unaware that a surviving Leatherface is revving his chainsaw some oh. distance away. Uh, Leatherface by Laz Rocket plays over the end credits. A rock song. That's a bit of a tune. Bit of a tune. But that's not how it was originally going to end. When the original ending was in place when Benny died, uh, it had Michelle being jumped by Tex, who managed to survive being burned, whilst Benny and Leatherface fight, which explains why she doesn't know it to help Benny... Oh. Michelle would throw the weakened text into one of the traps, which crushes him like an Iron Maiden. Afterwards, she would wander off into the desert, where she's confronted by the little girl who angrily and childishly scolds Michelle for killing the family and declaring, I don't like you, like in EastEnders. I don't like you. <laughs> ben Mitchell. A police car comes you, what, by. What does he say? You need. <laughs> you need smacking down. You need smacking down. <laughs> As a police car comes by, it's revealed that Alfredo is driving with Leatherface and Grandpa as passengers. They invite the little girl inside, and after a brief stare down, they depart, leaving Michelle stranded in the desert. After some rewrites, it was changed to simply be Michelle seeing the little girl riding in the back of a police car, laughing as they drive away, and Michelle, driven mad by the hellish experience, laughs too. Now, we've seen that ending, and it is so much better than the one that we get. It makes more sense. Yes. Um, it is confusing that Benny wasn't. <laughs> it just, it's, yeah. Uh... So if they so what if they liked him, he's in the rest of the film. Great. Yeah. Like, did they think they were going to bring him back for a sequel? Did they think exactly. they were going to get a sequel? Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's Leatherface Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. It is. It is. Um. No, yeah. I, I'm no spoiler, but um, yeah, it's a word that begins with B. Yeah. It's very, it's boring, it's tepid, I think is the word I yeah. would say. And it doesn't excite me, it doesn't interest me no. too much. I mean, for me, it has its moments, you know. I, I couldn't ever give this a straight up bad rating because I don't think it's awful. I mean, when you look at it, it compares to some of the later ones as well. But it's not good. I, I just... would genuinely say that I have no intentions of ever watching yeah. it again. If... I've watched it twice now, yeah. and that that's fine by me. If they ever managed to find the lost footage and did a different cut of it, I'd absolutely watch that and see what it was meant to originally be. Mm. But no, that version is just... Yeah. Ratings, I'd give it six inaudible sentences by Alfredo out of ten. I give it five indestructible Ken Foray schools out of ten. Uh, masterpiece, trash piece, trash or basic. It is basic. Basic. It's available on DVD and video on demand. And if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Wrong Turn. If you enjoyed this, you will fucking love Texas Chainsaw Massacre 4, The Next Generation. <laughs> uh, because it is not too far removed and it's more camp, to yeah. be fair. So... With the awards on this episode, the awards are going to go to uh, one film, not both. So, spoiler alert, um, I think they're all going to Jason Musca 2. Yes. Biggest Queen, easy. It's Stretch. It's definitely Stretch. It's no stretch to say it's Stretch. 
Um, biggest gasp, it's Leatherface appearing out of nowhere on the radio station. I put the yuppie head split. Yeah, that's that's the cool effect. Best dialogue, as we all know. Oh, my aching banana. <laughs> now, because I put that as my rating, I ah. thought I'd change it up just a little bit. And I did say, this is what this is, Bubba. The old cock and cunt swindle. <laughs> and that's Camp. I've got straight... <laughs> Which is mine and Gary's nickname. <laughs> that's Camp. I've got Stretcher's Chainsaw Dance. I put Lefty Finding Franklin. So, talk to us on social media with Horror Court Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horror Court Trash on Twitter. Horror Court Trash over on TikTok. I'm Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. Uh, give us a rate, review, or subscribe on iTunes, like a follow on everything else. Next week, we will be back with another double episode week where on Tuesday we'll be discussing the ghost of Drag Strip Hollow. Ooh. And on Friday, we will be doing this month's original versus remake, which is a Dr. Moreau threesome episode. Yes, that's going to be a hefty episode. There's a lot to talk about. But a little bit of drag before. Yeah. And not the RuPaul kind. No, <laughs> just as camp. Just as camp, that's very true. We'll be back same time, same place on Tuesday. Bye. Bye.